Hello, and welcome to this special GISF podcast on humanitarian security risk management considerations in the time of COVID-19. Today, we have Heather Hughes, Deputy Director of the Global Interagency Security Forum. So Heather, today we are focusing on managing operations in a COVID-19 world, takeaways for security professionals. If you could start with sharing a little bit about GISF and some of the early efforts on what we now know to be COVID-19. Hi, thank you for inviting me. So I'm Heather Hughes, as introduced, I'm Deputy Director of GISF. GISF is a peer-to-peer network of over 110 NGO members from Europe, US, and and many other locations now. Wonderful. What has GISF been doing around COVID-19? Since uh, the middle of February, when we first began hearing about COVID-19 and and what impact it might have on the humanitarian community, we began having roundtables with members, and we've had them every two or three weeks since. We've had different themes and different focuses for each call and each discussion. And it's been an opportunity for members to learn from each other, to share what they're working on, what their concerns are, what their experiences have been, uh, to share knowledge. Uh, Some some organizations are much further forward in their planning and their approaches. And some have learned from previous epidemics that they've worked on, such as Ebola. And so it's been an opportunity to discuss all of these current issues uh, with members largely relying on our members in terms of knowledge and experience, but also bringing in external speakers. So, for example, we've had speakers from the Headington Institute who led our discussion on resilience. And we've had speakers from WFP who gave us an outline of the common services plan that they've developed in terms of responding to COVID. We also have a member area of our website, which we have been collating Uh, many of the very useful uh, documents, information, information sources, maps, planning, and and other sorts of tools from from many different organizations that relate to COVID and and security risk management. And also, very importantly, we have an internal chat channel, which has been very useful for sharing updates, sharing policies, quick discussions, thinking about plans, um, and also for members to be able to ask questions of other members And also it helps us not to constantly be reinventing the wheel when members can discuss new policies they're working on, new issues and so on. And we can see how from the beginning or the middle of February, uh, since we we set these various methods up, these various opportunities for discussion, how the conversation has changed from in the early days, it was was very much about, uh, particularly the discussion on the chat channel was very much about, about how we would manage meetings and events and so on to actually how we've, we're, we're very much in the discussion now about how, how it's impacted our programs and our activities in our, in our field work and how we are considering now being able to return and rescale those programs and activities. Talking more about that, I know you've also had the opportunity to hear a lot of different perspectives around COVID-19. Would you be able to share a couple of takeaways that you would have at the moment, particularly for security managers? We, we have generally with, with, within security risk managers a, um, a body of um, approaches, uh, tools, 
methodologies and so on that we have have used over the years in terms of how we think about risk, how we manage risk um, and mitigate risk, or how we identify risk and mitigate risk and manage risk. Um, and that actually what we need to do now is just to continue to, to apply that, that methodology, um, thinking about COVID as, as one of the threats that we're facing alongside other, other things that we might, might face. And thinking about how COVID might impact both on the health of people that we work with and, and our own staff. Um, and also thinking about the actual containment measures themselves that are being introduced or have been introduced by many governments. Um, and what effect those might have on, on the humanitarian situation in many countries that we work in. But thinking really that we don't need to introduce a whole new approach or um, elaborate lots of new tools or, or new ideas. We need to um, think about what we're, how, you know, how we normally think about risk management and then apply that to thinking about COVID. And of course, GISF has many tools and approaches checklists and, and other incredibly useful documents. One uh, very useful toolkit is security to go a risk management toolkit for humanitarian aid agencies. This has modules on security risk management planning, on act mapping and context analysis, risk analysis, risk assessment, um, and security strategies and acceptance, protection and deterrence, and a, a fairly new module on digital security um, these are all things that we need to be thinking about right now in terms of how, how COVID is, is affecting our work. Another GISF guide was Family First about liaison and support during the crisis. I mean, this wasn't uh, designed for a pandemic, but it absolutely can be adapted um, and has very useful um, tools and, and checklists that, that can be used. Looking back at your past and some of the experiences you've had, are there things that you think would be really relevant to today? Some of your, your past work when you were working in an NGO, um, what are some things that you think would be really useful for us now? I think um, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was very much um, most organizations were thinking about it in terms of a, a crisis and and how and how to manage a crisis um and for many of us uh, that have worked in security risk management we we you know we have dealt with crisis of a security nature such as uh, kidnaps or deaths of staff or serious evacuations or carjackings so we already had um plans and tools around around crisis management quite quickly organizations have realized that this is a long-term issue and that we've had to sort of have to revert to the, the more usual management lines and so on. But I think one of the key things to take from that is thinking about decision-making. Who, who is making the decisions? Who is in charge? And who is um, following decisions that have been made? And that's something that we're generally very clear about when we're doing a crisis management, but not always so clear about when we're, we're into um, sort of longer-term situations. Do you feel that, you know, in other experiences you've had in the past, um, other crises, do you feel that, that this one has you looking for different strategies to stay motivated? I think um, this one has been more profound for all of us because as security risk managers, we're, we're, as I said before, we're, we're often used to dealing with um, quite difficult uh, issues that, that happen to individuals and to our organizations that we work with, but they don't necessarily happen to us. 
Um, whereas the COVID pandemic is happening to our organizations and to our field offices and our country offices, but also to ourselves um, and our own families and our, our own, in our own locations that we work in, in our head office locations and so on. And that is quite different from, from what we're used to, which is working in a, a, perhaps an office environment where we're supporting a particular set of staff or, or country somewhere else. Um, and we can still go home at the end of the day and go back to our families and, and so on. Whereas um, this, this has been quite different in terms of the way it has impacted just globally across all countries and all, all types of walks of life and all types of um, organizations and companies and structures and so on in society. Would you have any advice um, to share with smaller, less resourced organizations um, with regards to managing operations in a COVID-19 world and maybe also building a little bit on some of that resiliency piece of what you were referring to? Um, I think it's probably not that different for, for, you know, what size organization you're in. I think everything I've said, all of it applies. Um, GISF does have a very specific um, guide for smaller NGOs called Security Risk Management, a basic guide for smaller NGOs, which really sets out how you might think about duty of care to start with, um, and then how you develop a whole framework in terms of governance and accountability and policy and principles, sort of moving through to operation and programs, um, but also thinking about some of the really practical things like travel management and support and incident and crisis management. I think for smaller organizations, making use of the resources that are already available through GISF and, and other organizations um, is always a, a good start. So not having to reinvent the wheel or develop overly complicated frameworks that aren't relevant for the type of risks they're facing and, and for the size of the organization. Do you foresee any innovations in the sector that may come about as a result of COVID-19? Um, I guess it's a bit early to say. I mean, there are some very specific innovations that happened or are happening very quickly. Um, some of the work that ACAPS has been doing on uh, providing information on the, on, the type, on the types of measures that are being imposed by, by governments and different authorities. Some of the work that Insecurity Insight is doing in terms of collating information about the insecurity related to COVID. And that's something that we all do need to continue to concern ourselves with, that we continue to be targeted by, by different groups and that insecurity won't go away in itself, but that actually things may get worse in some locations because of COVID, because of potentially xenophobic attacks on foreigners, um, but also the focus on national staff who may be continuing to travel between communities and that may not be appreciated in some communities. Uh, uh, all of these are things that we need to continue to think about and particularly think about how new ways of working and the new types of programs we might be involved in and COVID itself, how these things might affect our acceptance strategy. In terms of future sort of innovations or what, what things might change, uh, I, I think there's a possibility that the localization agenda uh, may be accelerated which is a good thing um it's something that organizations have been talking about for many years 
but they're not as far along as, as many would like. And that because of the restrictions on travel, foreigners traveling particularly, that it may have a positive side effect, maybe that sort of local and community-based interventions become much more the norm and the way forward. Um, talking a little bit more about the innovations that you foresee, what about GISF and in the, the role GISF is going to continue to take in the next steps of COVID-19? In terms of innovations, I think we will continue, um, as, as we've discussed earlier, in terms of our support to members, our providing opportunities for members to share. We're also putting together a, a series of um, guidance notes, which will be in modular form on COVID and how we will continue to work in the coming months. This is something that the uh, US organizations um, have started and uh, their, their document is, is just about uh, ready to be published. It's called Recovery and Wellness COVID-19. And that's a very US focused um, document, but GISF will be taking on, taking forward that document and adding modules to it as, as they become relevant. Um, and we will continue to add to it as we become more knowledgeable about COVID itself and also more knowledgeable about the impacts that it might have on, on our, our ways of working. What are some of your other considerations that we should all be thinking about right now? One of the issues that we're, we're facing at the moment is that there, are, there is a lot of information about COVID-19 from many different sectors, different, different approaches, lots of different guidance and tools and so on. So uh, one of the things that we're concerned about is keeping an eye on, on all of the uh, external issues relating to COVID and making sure that we are continuing to um, highlight those that might be useful for our sector. Also, as we go forward, some of those approaches and best practice and so on from other sectors, we will definitely be looking at in order to ensure that our, our guidance you know, remains best practice. Also, in terms of um, thinking about the future, um, considering how COVID has uh, different impacts on different kinds of staff. There's a lot of discussion about how we're all in this together. It's certainly a, um, something that's been said in, in the UK. But actually, even in places like the UK, the impact of COVID is very different on different types of individuals, depending on their gender, their ethnicity, um, and you know, the, the types of jobs that people do, and, and many other sort of diverse um, profile considerations. And that's something that we need to make sure that we're considering in all of our work going forward is the, the impact of COVID on different communities that we work with, and also our own staff. Heather, do you have any um, resources or further advice on how organizations can really further think about being inclusive as they think about their office reopenings if they've had to close during COVID or even in general as they, they look to responding to COVID-19? GISF did a, a very useful paper um, a couple of years ago called Managing the Security of Aid Workers with Diverse Profiles. The, the research looked at why diversity matters in security risk management, um, looking at the key problems and, and the key, key challenges and findings, and then made those of practical recommendations. All of these issues remain very important in terms of how we think about staff with diverse profiles and the impacts of COVID-19 and how 
it may impact different staff differently. And that is something we need to think about in terms of when we start reopening programs, returning to field operations, not only about the impact on different types of staff who may or may not be able to work at home, who may or may not be able to work remotely, um, but also in terms of our field operations where we're hearing about discrimination and also targeting our groups based on their ethnicity and on concerns that majority groups have about who has brought COVID into a country or who may be spreading it. This has been truly great having you and having the chance to talk to you about these important issues. Would you like to share any any additional points that leave us with something to think about as we continue to take on COVID-19? I think that as we continue to take on COVID-19, we need to continue to use our networks, share our information, our knowledge, but also our questions and our concerns with with our colleagues and our peers um, and continue to learn um, from each other so that we can improve our own practice and that we should continue to make use of the very useful resources that are already out there that we can just adapt or revise or apply to to COVID-19. And then also um, try and keep abreast of, of, of new information that is coming out for example, the new GISF guidance um, series that will be out on, on COVID-19 shortly. Thanks for joining us today and for your insightful thoughts.